Would you turn to the 35th Psalm, Psalm 35, a psalm that's labeled a psalm of David, and that's all it says, and it goes right into the psalm. There are few genres of literature or movies that are more compelling to me than a courtroom drama. A crime fiction, lawyer mysteries, uh, whether it be, though this isn't purely this, I love so many more things about it, To Kill a Mockingbird with Atticus Finch, To the Green Mile, A Time to Kill, books by John Grisham, even Matlock, okay? And for some of you go, what is that? You know, the doom of an unfair condemnation and conviction or indictment that is almost certain to lead to condemnation and execution, and it comes upon a defendant who has false witnesses against them. The the jury is rigged against him or her. It's unfair. And in comes a brilliant defense attorney who contends for the defendant, who comes and brings rescue versus an unjust system that is seeking to attack the innocent. This attorney is going to bring out the truth and go after those who have hated his defendant without a cause. Now, although most of us in this room have not faced and probably will not face a courtroom as defendants falsely accused of a capital crime, though that could happen, we most certainly will face true and painful injustices in this world. Christians, faithful, obedient, seeking to do God's will, Christians will face slander and lies against us, accusations that are not just well-intended, but malicious, hateful lies against us. People will treat us unfairly, even to the point of lying against us and seeking to do us true harm. You will face false accusations and have your motives judged by your children, by your parents, by your friends, and by your bosses and co-workers and teachers and government and friends when you were intending to do the best act that you could possibly do. We live in a sinful world with bad people with sin around us, and that same badness runs through the very hearts of every one of us in this room. But for the grace of God, we ourselves could be instigators of the very injustice that hurts us. This psalm that we're going to look at this morning is a cry for justice. It is a, we've used this word before as we've gone through the psalm series, a lament. 
in the midst of unfair and unjust treatment by enemies, enemies who have no good reason to attack David and accuse him, and they're lying about David. And these people were potentially friends of David, who at one time David had gone out on a limb or had gone to great length to minister to these people who are now punishing and hurting him. It's a longer psalm of 28 verses, and I want to walk through this psalm by looking at three possible divisions, and let me call them overlapping laments, because you get verses 1 through 10, and it's an overlap, it's a lament to God, it is a crying out to God, God, please, here's what's going on, help me, rescue, but I trust in you. That's 1 through 10. And then verses 11 through 18, he does it again with a different emphasis, and they overlap. And then verses 19 through the end of this psalm, he, he does it again with another emphasis. So let's look at that. And then I want to I work through this psalm, and then I want to give you some takeaways. Takeaways that all of us can apply to our lives as we, as we think about how the truths that this text brings to us. Okay, number one. I'm going to label this first section a cry of the desperate. This is what the psalmist says. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. And rise up for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. See what David starts is he says, I cry to you, I'm desperate, help me. And then he keeps going, verse, the second half of verse 3, say to my soul, I am your salvation. He says, God, would you assure me in my dark moment of injustice. Verse 4. Let them. Let his enemies. His enemies who have attacked him. Fought against him. Contend against him. Let them be put to shame and dishonor. Who seek life. Who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed. Who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind. With the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery. With the angel of the Lord pursuing them. This is one of the only times in which David refers to the angel of the Lord in the Psalms. The other time was the psalm before, last week's psalm, Psalm 34, where it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Here David says, Let the angel of the Lord drive them away. Verse 6, Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Now to verse 7. Here he gets to it. Here's the injustice. For without cause... They hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for me, my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. See what Dave's do, David's doing? 
He's saying, God help me. God assure me. The end of verse 3. God give me justice in most of these verses. And in doing so, he prays imprecations. He says, God judge them. God make them like the chaff in the with the wind. God, make their way slippery. They're trying to make my way. Oh God, bring me justice. Now, look at the shift in verses 9 and 10. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. I guess I would say, to summarize these first 10 verses, David is crying out, and he's saying, God, please help me. I just I need you to come and fight my battle. I can't. And God, assure me that you're my salvation, because I'm starting to doubt this as these lies come into my ears. And and God, would you please take my cause and would you punish the enemies that have afflicted me? Would you bring me justice? And lastly, would you renew my worship? I, I am downcast, but I want to rejoice. I want to rejoice in you. That's my goal is to glorify you. Will you rejoice it so I can rejoice in the Lord and I can say with all my bones, who is like the Lord, my God? That's, that's what David starts with. Now, we move to the next section, which is not entirely new or different, but he, he enters into again lament, crying out to God for injustices. And I've labeled the second section, verses 11 through 18, as the cry of the betrayed who waits on the Lord. The betrayed, you know, betrayed means somebody that was there for you or should have been there for you or you haven't done anything wrong to them and they stab you in the back. Look at verse 11. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things I do not know. This is an idea that there are witnesses that are coming and trying to They're false witnesses accusing me to make me look guilty so that everybody would condemn David and they're lying and they're wrong and it's treachery. Verse 12, they repay me evil for good. Okay, so what that means is they're paying me evil, but it's for good because actually I was doing good for them and what was my payback? Evil. Is that injustice? Yes. Look at verse 12 again. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. It is overwhelmed. Now, now, verse 13, he starts to say how they paid him evil for the good that he did. Verse 13. But I, when they were sick, they were in a bad place, these people that have been evil against me and, and paid me evil. When they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. He said, when they were in trouble, I cried out to the Lord for them. I ministered to them. I cared for them. 
I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. Verse 14, I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. David is saying, I cared for these very people that are stabbing me in the back right now. Verse 15, but at my stumbling, here's the evil they repaid him with. His good, they repaid him evil. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Watch wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. So you get the picture, David, saying it's a cry from a betrayed man. And now we're going to see a betrayed man who waits upon the Lord. He's saying, I, I love them. And they just repay that love with evil. Oh God, help me. These liars are destroying me and they gather and they taunt and they seek to make my life miserable. Verse 17. How long, O Lord, will you look on? David is saying it's taking a long time. Here's the plea. Will you look on? It seems like you're not watching. It seems like you're absent, God. How long will it take? We need to realize that far too often. The waiting that we take in these times are, is long. And deliverance is not, doesn't feel swift for David. He says, rescue me from their destruction. My precious life from the lion's. And I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. Now, do you see the pattern here? Both these verses, he cries out to God for great injustice. He ends by saying, I want to praise you. I want to worship you. All of this I'm asking for is that I would worship you with a whole heart, giving you thanks. Now, let's look at the last section, verses 19 through 28. I, I labeled this the cry for righteousness and truth to prevail. It, he, this, this last section is filled with petitions. It's filled with requests to God. And I want you to see them. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongly my foes. And let not those wink the eye. That's, that's this idea of trickery and lying about him. Wink the eye who hate me without a cause. They hate me without a cause. There's no good reason for them to hate me. Verse 20. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise, they devise words of deceit. He's saying they're not quiet. Instead, they go to people, they're troublemakers, and they bring slander and gossip against me. Verse 21, they open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. Can you, can you imagine that scene of being accused and hated? And it just swelling up against you, a mob against you because of lies, 
Verse 22, you have seen, O Lord, be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me. O God, come and bring justice. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. And let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice in my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. He's saying, oh God, please bring, bring justification to me. Bring vindication, rescue me. Clear up the lies. Be that great attorney that comes and, ex- and exposes their treacheries and lies and brings light to the situation. And I'm vindicated. I'm declared just. Now verse 27. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. If the last section was primarily a lament in the form of of complaint, the second section was this last one, is petitions and prayers to God. He cries out to God. Now, what do we take from this unique psalm? This is a psalm where you might find a phrase here or there that, you'll use to to apply to your life and say, oh God, please vindicate me. But what do we we grow and glean from this psalm? And I want to give you six of them real quickly, six takeaways from the psalm that you can use in your life. I pray that they'll be helpful to you and be a, a theological, doctrinal grid. Because guys, that's we all are being guided in our life in the way we respond to things. Through theology and doctrine. You say, what? I'm not a theologian. I'm not into doctrine. Yes, you are. It's either good doctrine or bad doctrine. Whether you know it or not, you are acting and living out of views of God and his word, whether right ones or wrong ones. Whether the views that the world produce gives to you or God's word by the spirit gives to you. And I want to give you six truths that I think are takeaways from this passage. Number one, Do not be surprised by injustices that you will face. Do not be surprised by it. This psalm, as well as many other psalms by David, remind us that the righteous, many are the afflicted of the righteous, and those afflictions come sometimes when you will be accused, and it's not right, it's not fair. And, and there is a comfort in knowing that that shouldn't surprise us. 1 John 3.13 says, Don't be surprised, brothers, when the world hates you. And I, I'm going to make a clarification a little bit later on. It, this should not be because we are being a bad testimony and then the world accuses you. Well, you just brought that on yourself. Now, God can give you grace and help and forgiveness, but don't call that an injustice fully. You need to owe up to it. You can't be lazy at work, get fired from your work, and then say, look at how unjust they treated me. It's because I'm a Christian. 
No, it was because you were a lazy person. You deserve it. That's consequences. And you can repent, and God, and God will work it for your good and teach you and grow you. But that's not what I'm talking about here. You do not be surprised when injustices literally happen to us. 1 Peter 4.12 says to Christians, Beloved, don't be surprised when fiery trials come to you and test you as though something strange is happening to you. Don't, don't be surprised by that. The psalmist here says you are in good company when you face things in seeking to do good. You, whether it's for your faith, your religion, your faith in God, or just in general, you've been, you're walking down the path of obedience and out of nowhere something happens. We've had that happen in our church. We've had that happen notably by several members in our church. I'm not going to name all the particulars where they were falsely accused even to the point where they went to jail and they were imprisoned for some time. They, were, they dealt with many lawsuits that were absolutely unfounded and unfair because of the lies of others. And God used it for their good. And God has brought grace in their life. You are in good company when you face these things. Psalm 38, 19, the psalmist says, But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. And many are those who hate me without a cause. In addition to David experiencing these injustices, can you think of others in the Bible? Think about the Old Testament. Think of, can I remind you of Joseph? His treatment by his brothers, if that's not an injustice, selling him into slavery. Or Potiphar's wife, after David or Joseph had done Potiphar's home, managing, managing his affair so well, his, Potiphar's wife accuses him of an affair or trying to have an affair and lies about him, and he is sent to the dungeons, but God was at work. Think of Job, afflicted by Satan and tested by God, is brought before many unfair friends, accusing him. Or Daniel, in the book of Daniel, schemers, conspire against Daniel to take him down and they can't find any fault by him, him at all except for his faith in God. And so they conspire to change the laws so that David would be destroyed and God is with Daniel. Or think of the book of Acts where Stephen preaching the gospel so that others would come and repent in the Lord Jesus Christ, those in the synagogue stir up lies about him that he was teaching falsehood and he was teaching in a way to bring division and riots and he was stoned. And think about Paul from Tertullus in Acts 24 or Paul several times in the Bible. In this world... The people of God will face accusation and slander and hatred. May God help us. Number two, the pain involved with injustices is agonizing. So just because it, it's a lot that we may face, it's a lot that some in this church might take on and we're going to see it, 
that doesn't mean it's easy. Oh, that's a lot that we're, that's, it's not surprising that we should face it, so it's going to be okay. No, it's agonizing, and we see that in this psalm. David, this psalm and other psalms, cries out to God. He laments. He says, oh, Lord, how long? Where are you? When will you come? Please contend for me. The experience of mockery, slander, and lies, betrayal of those who have cared for him. I wonder if you are experiencing these things right now. It might, the injustices might be coming from a spouse or a former spouse. It might be coming from accusations at work. It might be coming from, maybe we could secondarily apply this from accusations from Satan who is just gets in your mind and accuses you and makes lies about you all of the time. And you have a hard time believing that God would actually forgive you. The pain involved is agonizing. He is exposed like a prey among lions. And in this psalm, we see that it's long-lasting when he says how long. It's lonely. God, where are you? And it's laced with truth. David probably... Here's the thing is, whenever we experience injustices, what's hard is it's laced with truth sometimes because there's not one person other than Jesus Christ that is innocent, completely innocent. There's not one person out there that is perfectly righteous and sinless. And so when accusations come, it's la- there's laced with this inner truth of knowing I am not fully right. I am not perfect. I have issues. And there's an agony involved in this. Number three, this is a form of advice. If you are experiencing unfairness, injustice, um, I guess we could say false accusations and betrayal. Here, here's a word of advice. Number three, examine and surrender your heart to the Lord. There's two things. Examine your heart and surrender your heart to the Lord who will someday faithfully judge Before you go into defense mode in your heart, when you're being treated poorly, wrongly, unfairly, unjustly, betrayed, before you go into, and definitely before you jump into some self-pity, before you get all high and mighty, I call you to examine your heart and the motives of your heart and surrender your heart to the Lord. This psalm prays some pretty harsh prayers that we need to be careful that we don't immediately, when somebody treats us wrong at work, we don't go, let them be put to shame. Let, them, let destruction come upon them. Let them be like chaff among the wind. I mean, is that a Christian? I mean, doesn't Jesus say, love your enemies and pray for those? who do evil against you. So what is it? I think that both are true. We are to love our enemies and we are to pray for those who treat us bad so that we'll be like our Father in heaven who causes the rain to come on the just and the unjust. And I think that the point is we are to guard our heart to say when we're in trouble, am I so angry and mad because of me? 
or because of God's glory, of which I love so much more, and I don't think so highly about me, but I do think of God's glory in his name. I think that the part of Psalm 35 comes from the king of Israel, David, who represents God's people, and as he prays this, he knows that the lies and attacks on David undermine the very authority and the integrity of God himself, and he cries out to God for mercy and grace. And I think this psalm, we should be cautioned. We need to be, that because God is not in the vengeance business primarily. Instead, he's concerned to set things right in the proper time. And so when we ask God for vindication, we need to watch our hearts. We may get, Here's the thing is, when we ask God for vindication, making things right, we might get more than we bargained for. Because we need to learn some things. We need to be humbled, which is a really good thing. We need to have our eyes open to who we are before God. And it should cause us to fall before our knees and say, Oh God, I need your grace as I face the injustices around me. If God were to judge, I read this this week, I'm reminded of it this week. If God were to judge all wrong and sin in this world, we would have a few things to deal with in our own lives. Perhaps this is where Jesus saying, love your enemies, do good to them that abuse you. Ultimately, there's, there, is, there is a heart that cries out to say, God, please bring vindication. Oh God, help me not to treasure or to, in my heart, be bitter, but to surrender completely to you. I want you to hear the words that Peter gives to the church, a church that was dealing with direct false accusations, slander, and abuse by the world around them because of their faith in God. He says this, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But do not let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Like, don't let yourself be guilty of those things and that's why you're tried. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. What, David's, what Peter is saying, and I'm saying here is, when you go through injustice, entrust your soul to God. Humble yourself before him, 1 Peter 5 says, under his mighty hand saying, God, I might not see this clearly, but I think that I am being treated so unfairly. Would you please help me and vindicate me and help guard my heart so I don't have heart hatred towards my enemies because I was an enemy against you and you loved me so much, you forgave me and you brought me to the truth. Will you do that in their life as well? Friends, I, I want to remind you of this. This psalm points us to this reality. There is a faithful judge, and he will someday faithfully judge all the injustices that you have experienced. Let me remind you of some of these promises, like 1 Samuel chapter 2. The adversaries of the Lord, you don't want to be an adversary of the Lord. They, sh they shall be broken to pieces. Against them, God will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Ecclesiastes 12 
For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether evil or good. Or 2 Corinthians 5. We will all, all of us in this room, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. Or 1 Corinthians 4, don't pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light that, those things that are hidden. All those things that are hidden and nobody else knows and it's so unfair, God's going to bring it to light. And each will receive his condem- commendation, and I will say condemnation, from God. Same thing as when Paul writes to those that work. You work a job, whatever job you work, work heartily as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that you will receive from the Lord an inheritance. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. That phrase alone says, those that have been wrongdoers against you will be paid back. Your job is to not go after personal vengeance. It is to examine your heart and surrender your heart to a God who will someday judge and take all these things into account. I am not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend ourselves in a proper way, but first we should examine our hearts and surrender our hearts to God. Number five, or number four, turn to God through prayers of lament. I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to say this at least probably 50 times through the psalm series, because at least a third of the psalms are laments, and that is, Pray to God. God wants us to lament we're in trouble. And what I mean by lament is lament is a cry or a wail. If you've been treated like David was treated, and some of you I know you've been treated, you will cry and wail out to God in your quiet moments because it's agonizing. And a lament is a cry or a wail to God in the midst of your sorrow and affliction. But you see, it is the pathway from pain to praise and to God. And there's usually at least four, four aspects of this lament that you see actually in the psalm. And I, I've, I brought these four aspects to you before. And one is it's just turning to God. You see what David does? That All of the psalm is a turn to God. God, contend for me. God, fight for me. God, vindicate me. Turn to God. And it's a complaint to God. God, how long? God, when are you going to speak up? God, this is what they're doing. This is how they're treating me. It is okay for us not to complain about God, but to complain to God and bring all our sorrows and all our afflictions and all our pains specifically to God like this psalm does. We should do that. Oh, the soul-lifting reality of imitating the scriptures, and praying laments to God, I encourage you today, whether it seems like it's a small thing or a big thing, but it's a thing that's impacting you or hurting you, go to God with your trials today and lament. 
turn to him and complain to him, not blaming him or hating him, not despising him. And we never forgive God, by the way. We never forgive God because he never sins against us. And we shouldn't be angry at God. When we are angry at God, we should confess that to God because it's a judging of God and he is never wrong. But we don't always understand God's ways. And so this, this complaining instead is a, God, here are all my complaints that I bring to the courtroom of your justice. And I lay them at your feet and I say, please help or please help me to wait upon you and tell you help because you promised you will help. The third aspect of lament is, I've already mentioned it, it is pleading with God. And the last one is trusting and thanking God, which we see in the psalm. Turn to God through prayers of lament. Fifthly, maybe this ties into two weeks ago, my sermon on the 19th when I preached to the church family. When you seek to compassionately bear others' burdens when they face injustice. Faith Church, you may have, you will have people in the aisles right next to you and the rows around and behind you, in front of you, that are dealing with injustices or unfair circumstances, difficulties. And though we aren't to go and pronounce judgment, and be these problem solvers that give them all the answers. Let us compassionately bear others' burdens when they seek the injustice. That's not what happens in this psalm. In fact, David is afflicted, and what do they do? They gather and they assault David. And the opposite should be true for us as we gather and we embrace and pray for and bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6 verse 2, and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law that says love one another as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Who in your life right now is going through adversity they need to lament Psalm 35. And you need to be that brother or sister that's there for them in this adversity. You need to hold their hand. You need to constantly be sending them words of encouragement, checking in on them. Because you love them and you're there for them. And the last thing that you want them to think is they're alone and isolated from the body of Christ here, your family. I, I, I just remind you of when David was in one of his low moments because of the betrayal of his father-in-law Saul who had betrayed unfairly treated David and hated David and wanted David dead David's best friend Saul's son Jonathan comes to David in 1 Samuel 23:16 and it says this Jonathan Saul's son rose and went to David and strengthened his hand in God that's what we do. We, we seek to, with God's help, to strengthen each other's hand, their heart, in God, in His truth. We do it through texts and through WhatsApp and through Voxer and through Realm and through phone calls and through interactions here and through life group and through 
coffee visits and drop-bys and many other ways. Lastly, look to Jesus, our hope and example. Let me by this. I, I, I left out the good company of the, the man who was treated with injustices like no other man has ever been treated unjustly. If, if David was falsely accused and maligned and betrayed by friends, he is but a picture of a greater one who was betrayed and treated and hated without a cause. It's so much so that this man, when talking to his disciples on earth, in John chapter 15 says, whoever hates me hates my father also. He says, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. That's a quotation right from our current psalm. Jesus said, they hated me without a cause is a fulfillment of Jesus on earth. We are to look to Jesus who is our hope and our example. Jesus is the advocate that will contend for us. Jesus is the one who will take up the shield and the spear and the sword and fight for us. Jesus is the one who will be in our corner as an as a attorney and will bring justice to us someday. Jesus is the one that fights for us and is our victor. But Jesus also went before us and he endured like nowhere but no one else had ever. There is no one who had ever not, there is no one like Jesus, never speaking an evil word, never sinning against a person, never being lazy, never wrong. Never out of place, never a bad attitude, never a temper, never a misspoken word, and never a misspoken action. And he was betrayed by one of his own disciples. He was denied by one of his disciples. And he was taken, and in his trial, they instigated people to make up lies about him because they couldn't come up with any truth. And they attacked him, destroyed him, and they hung him on a cross, and they killed him. That is our Savior and Lord. And he says, they hated me without a cause, a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So go live trusting in me that in that, that work of suffering, I will be with you. I, I want to end with this passage. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2 as Peter writes to this church and says, you're now Jesus followers and you're going to be treated with injustice. It's a gracious thing, 1 Peter 2.19. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. That's a strange thing to say, guys, for this world. It is a gracious thing that when mindful of God, you endure sorrows while suffering unjustly. He says, for what credit is it if you sin and are beaten for it and endure? But when you do good, like David in the psalm, and most certainly Jesus, and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 
For to you this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Friends, I remind you of your Savior. Daniel, I remind you of your Savior. Faith Church, be reminded of your Savior. He committed no sin. There was no deceit in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile back. But he kept entrusting himself to God his Father, who will judge justly. I call you this morning, if you're not a Christian, to this Jesus who was falsely accused in order that you would be rescued from your sin of which you deserve and which we all deserve. It says here, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, the execution device, the cross, that you and I, who receive his gift, would die to our sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds we have been healed. Because we were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. If I could end with this. If you're going through affliction, especially through injustices, being treated unfairly or betrayed, look to Jesus and thank him for the, the mercy and grace that he did and that he was betrayed for you. He loves you. He offers himself to you and he tells you to follow him. Entrust your soul to a faithful creator while doing good. And you will not be ashamed. Let's pray. Father, Father, I pray that you would help Faith Church in, the, in this culture, in this world that we live in. It would not surprise me if we experience more and more criticism, attack, slander, accusation, betrayal because of what we believe, God's word. Oh God, I pray that we would never be afflicted or abused or by government or other people because we are just being surly or mean or cruel or selfish or self-righteous. But insofar as we face injustices, I pray, and they're true injustices, I pray that we will entrust our souls to a faithful God and do good. Oh God, I pray that our hearts would be so rooted to the one who loved us and will right all wrongs, that you will prepare us for those hours, and we will be there with each other in those hours by your help. God, I pray that you would help us as we end this service in an expression of worship, of a confession to you of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.